First, I'd like to introduce the co-creator of the series, Alison Newman. Alison's also an actor with dozens of credits. She's been a regular in EastEnders, Rocket Man, Whitechapel, and called Midwife. But I will always think of her as super bitch Hazel Bailey from Footballers World. <laughs> um, next, uh, her writer and co-creator, Moira Buffini. Moira is a prolific playwright and screenwriter. She's written plays for the Almeida. She's been writer in residence at the National Theatre. Um, she's done loads of films, um, including Tamara Drew, Jane Eyre, and Byzantium. <laughs> Finally, we have our 18th century Corella Deville. <laughs> the posh brothel owner, Lydia Quigley, <laughs> Leslie Manville. <laughs> Les Leslie has um, BAFTAs and Olivier's and OBEs coming out of her ears. I've loved her work um, since I first saw her in Grown Ups in 1980. Thank you. Um, and since then, she's been a Mike Lee regular. Um, she's worked with every major theatre in Britain, including the National, the RSC, the Royal Court. And she's done bucket loads of films and TV shows, including the recent and brilliant Mum. Hmm. Uh, I, I could go on for longer, but I think she'll think I'm a stalker. No, so. please don't. Please stop. <laughs> um, so Harlots is the first co-production between Hulu and ITV Encore. It's also the first commission for Monumental TV. Um, so I want to say a word about Monumental Pictures. Um, they were formed when film producers Alison Owen and Deborah Hayward decided to pool their not inconsiderable talents. Um, and they then brought Alison Carpenter on board to head up the TV division. Um, and Monumental are a company which is committed to telling women's stories. Um, I also know that their ethos is that life is short and they only want to work with people they like and on projects which they're passionate about. And Harlots is definitely a project that they were passionate about. So, <laughs> Alison, I think this is all your fault. It was originally your well, idea, I believe. Well, yeah, I, 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 sort of, I was realising that there, there, there was a bit of a gap for... A, a, in 18th century prostitutes. 18th century prostitutes. But, you know, for a massive cast of women, of female-led drama. And I've been reading a bit around the world, and the more I read into the Georgians and into the sex industry and discovering that these women were extraordinary survivors and, and of the successful were great businesswomen and they contributed to the economy started to see that they're, and, and they were funny and, and brave and really bold, and started to see that there might be something in it. So I, I rather tentatively took it to Moira, who I've known for a billion Very years. And um, we met in National Youth Theatre, so we go way back. Oh and uh, we started talking around, I, I'd, I'd found through, through research and, and work that wonderful historians had done, 
you know, sort of real women, and, and we started talking around these these women and and creating our own versions of them, really, our own what our led own you characters. Specifically to the eighteenth. Well, the, the the very first thing was a book called. Um, that had been curated that that was called Harris's List, which was... Oh, which is the which, book which we is see the, them with at the beginning. Yeah, which is kind of like a findahore.com of the 18th century. A sort of 18th century trip advisor. Yeah, ab absolutely, like Yelp <laughs> or something. But Because um, they can't have done all 400... You know, Harris can't have done all 400 No, I bet he, he probably had a good go, but... Um, <laughs> <laughs> but... Uh, and And... Started to see that it, it, it was from the pavements to the palaces, the, the, these women, and just became fascinated with the world. And, and that was when when started reading around it more and, and just discovering what a, what a wealthy, colourful, brilliant world it was. You and say, obviously, you say at the beginning, that one in five women yeah. worked as a prostitute or in well, the sex industry. That's, yeah. that's the first four rows. I, I would have been one, definitely. I, I, really? Yeah, not a very good one. I'd be a dead one by now. But, um, but, <laughs> but it, it, yes, it, it, it just, just really, uh, we were, we were both captivated by, by these women, and, and discovering, you know, that, that, into the national economy, they brought in not much less than the docks. Which is why a kind of bit of a blind eye was turned to it. It was they they, they were incredibly it was the biggest cash um, service industry. Yeah, yeah. The biggest, uh, and the way that it moved cash around the economy. Yeah. Um, was uh, uh, well, I mean, a lot of the building of London, they say, um, Marlebone, Soho, um, a lot of the a lot of the property boom uh, was founded on sex trade money. Because they, so, they kept they kept their own money. You know, if a, yeah. a woman was was wealthy and not a prostitute and she got married, her money became her husband's and these women actually could launder yeah. their own money. Well, they, these women probably had more agency than a lot yeah. of respectable women. Yes, in a, in a weird way they did, I think. Um, they had shorter, more brutal lives in many ways and it was a very, very difficult career. I mean, it's, it's an extremely socially mobile profession but very, very short-lived. So, so I think... Somebody like... Lydia Quigley, who seems posh, what's, what's her story? How would she come to, to being a whore? Because, you know, well, was she ruined? Is, is that is what she was about that time, and You could have ended up being a whore under any circumstances, really. I mean, it wasn't necessarily a profession that you uh, gravitated towards out of desperation, although a lot of women were doing it out of desperation. But it was also, if you, if you were a go-getting woman who didn't want to sit in the background and say yes to a husband. You, you had one way forward, and that was to plough your own career. And that was one of the most foremost careers that you could plough at, at that time. Because if you sort of take the, the Hogarth, the Harlot's Progress as a, as a sort of guide, that's got the idea of the sort of poor seamstress who, you know, innocently yes, comes to London but, but looking not for work all, not and gets always. Seduced. I think whatever your class, if you were spoiled goods, you couldn't get a husband, and if you, if you were, you, you know, kind of <clears throat> genteel but poor, um, you, you were in very, very great trouble. Well, it's quite interesting and, and that you did Jane Eyre, because it seems to me it's, there's a sort yeah, of parallel. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like Anne Pettifer, the lovely girl who's in Lydia's bedroom in the yeah. first scene, reading from Harris's List, 
we thought that Anne Pettifer is one of the, that she's kind of like a minor character in a Jane Austen novel, like the, the cousin who gets ruined, who runs yes. away, who does what Lydia Bennett does and runs away with her officer and um, well, ends up in Mrs. Quigley's house, you know. So it's kind of like the, yeah. the underbelly of the literature that we know and love, really, all well, of this. Well, also, it's what happened to all those other women, you know. When you, I, d I mean, there are things like Moll Flanders and Fanny Hill, which sort of purport to be the memoirs of these 18th century courtesans, but they all turn out to be written by men, you know. Are there any actual first-hand writings of... Yes, yeah, no, they, they, they are out there. There aren't many. There aren't many. Um, but but they, they do exist. Um, that one source of great inspiration to us, though, with sort of it's a kind of an, an, an anonymous book, uh, was a book called Nocturnal Revels, which was... It's kind of fantastic gossip and smut yeah. from whorehouses. Really? It's, one, it's really extraordinary in terms of the language that it gives you and the... Um, and the stories, and you know. And the story it, that it gives you. Uh, Teresa Phillips wrote her own. Yes, she did. Uh, allegedly wrote her yeah, own. She, she ran a, a sex shop on Bedford Street. <laughs> what, do buying a sex shop? Uh, well, condoms. Um, condoms you know, and You know where they publish the Lady magazine now? It's that yes, building. Yes, I think it's yeah. that building. Tis. <laughs> <laughs> but... Uh, but yeah, no, dildos were, were very popular, apparently. And the yeah, and pornography. Quite and nicely decorated. We, we found, we got some lovely, um, we reproduced, in fact, our, our amazing um, uh, uh, props department. So that, that was a fun day in the art department. Re I know, yeah. reproducing 18th century <laughs> dildos. What did you do at work today, Daddy? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And the pornography would have been etchings, I guess. Etchings, etchings yeah. Etchings, yeah. and, see my and, etchings. and erotica. I mean, that's kind yeah. of what Nocturnal Revels is. It's kind of okay. sort of... And it's what Harris's list sort of evolved into, really. You know, yeah. it, became, it, it became a bit of a... It's just a, a titter. Harris's read. list is, is an extraordinary read. I mean, you can get it now. You really can get it on Amazon. And um, it's the most extraordinary. It's like a Yellow Pages, isn't it? Yes. Of, of, it's not of, very up to date now, but no, I say when was the last year? <laughs> but it is. It is an extraordinary. And you read some of these breakdowns of the of the women, and you just can't quite believe what you're reading. You realise how much of everything comes down to economics and money. Um, we found another book called *The Gentleman's Key to the*. Uh, to widows and spinsters and basically uh, what it is is like a list of um, who's a widow how much she's got and on what street she lives and, and where all the spinsters live and how much they've got I mean it's just extraordinary so that all these kind of young bucks who need money can just look for a woman to go to, and, to, to, to go, go and, and get marry. the money from the spinster to then spend so on then a whore. he can wow. spend it on his whore. <laughs> wow so just to backtrack for a second, you had the idea, you took it to Moira, yeah. convinced her that, you know, you both decided that this was an area... We just got really in. seduced into it. We, we got really mm. seduced into the world of it. And, so uh, then we, we, we wrote up a, a, a sort of idea. We, we sort of thought two warring houses. That came to yeah. us really early on, didn't yeah. we? And mothers and daughters. Yeah. I mean, you, you know, Alice, uh, Alice and I have only got sisters, so... You, you know, mothers and daughters just, you, you know, seemed like a, a, a thing that we both knew about. Um, and, and we took our idea to Alison Owen, which she just seemed the absolute obvious person to take it to. Um, and she, she sort of immediately said, yes, I love it. Let's do it. 
and then began this long journey to long find the right journey. home for it. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, these things always take a lot of time. Um, during which time De Deborah Hayward yeah. came on board, Monumental was kind of um, launched. Deborah Hayward came on board, the fantastic Alison Carpenter came on board as our final exec. Um, and then I think it was the winter of 2015, it sort of all fell into place. So this time last year, we were sort of beginning the, you know, writing up all of our ideas. I know, but this time last year, we were... In the thick of it. In the thick of it. And when you yeah. knew that it was, wasn't for terrestrial television, did that give you a lot of leeway to be a bit edgier and go a bit further, or was it nothing to do with that? I think we always wanted to be edgy. Um, and I think, I, think, I think our two partners, our ITV Encore and Hulu, have both been absolutely fantastic yeah. in that they've kind of, they really have trusted us mm -hmm. and let us get on with it. And they've been behind the drama from the start. Um, and, the, and their notes from both sides of the Atlantic have been kind of minif minimal and really helpful. So, so they've been amazingly good partners. And I don't know whether it would have been different on terrestrial TV, but we certainly did well, you feel... You might have got away with a bit less shagging. Yeah, but I think there's probably not enough at the end of the day. You know? <laughs> Can there ever be enough? But, I mean, also I'm interested that the sort of the path that you tr tread, because you have a lot of sex and a lot of shagging, but it completely avoids the sort of titillation. There is of, never of... a scene that isn't about something. Yeah. Like, like even the scene where Fanny just sniffs yeah. her armpit. There's never a, a sex scene well, just that's just okay. Here comes the sex scene. That, oh, that, 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 yeah, that sort of stomach journey. It, it's like there. We, we all hate. We all go and make the tea when, when yeah. we, you, you, know, you know. So why, why put a scene like that? So it's either got to inform narrative or character, and hopefully and it can both. Be funny. It and can be see, really see upsetting. It it's, it's just yeah. got to have a, a really fundamental strong but, dramatic purpose but, I mean and that was the other thing we, we we said from the off we wanted it always to be from the whore's eye view yeah. um so often you know obviously prostitutes and drama is not a new thing but we wanted to see it the way they looked out at society rather than gazing in onto them well usually they are you know they either it's either the sort of pretty woman where yeah. they they somehow es escape, know, escape and, escape and are saved by a man and love that was also another fairly fierce yeah. rule we had in the room, none of that, so. No shopping. I didn't get saved or shagged, I'd like to add. <laughs> Dave, you don't get shagged in the whole series. That's <laughs> Not good enough, is it? So, no. when, so when they brought the, when you first saw the script, what made you want to do Lydia Quigley? Because when you first look at her, she's kind of an out-and-out -out villain. But I think you know, partly from the sort of nuanced way you play her, she, she does have a kind of fragility and you can, you know... Well, I mean, there are scenes that lend, it, lend themselves to some levels of fragility and there are other scenes that, that don't. I mean, and that's not a criticism. To some scenes demand a kind of, you know, the, 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 the evil looks between Samantha Morton and I, which come in later episodes, and, and that's, that's, you know, what, that's what's required. But... Um, when I saw, when I met Moira and uh, Koki Gedroich, who wrote, who directed the first three, um, they they only had three to show me, so um, uh, it, it was quite hard to say yes, I'll do eight when you don't know. So I met with them, 
big um, leap of trust here, in fact, and they, you know, they talked me through the whole thing. And um, I mean, yes, you know, that there is there's a great label to her, which was that she's the Lady Macbeth of brothel keepers, and that's not a bad um, uh, uh, thing to pull you in. Got a bit of the Marquis but it, it does go into nice places, and you, do, you know, you, uh, uh, of course, there's this. That the undercurrent of her is that it's 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 unpleasant. You know, she's not very nice and she's manipulative, and um, the girls are all used to her own ends. But um, well, it becomes very interesting, and there are there it do, you do get to see um, di different colours of Lydia through her relationship with her son and through the ultimate relationship that she has with um, Charlotte Wells, which. Um, Sort of, we haven't got to yet. Also, I was lucky enough to see the second episode, and there's a bit, which, spoiler alert, um, where even though she's got all the magistrates and everyone in their pockets, she she has to sort of, she's arguing and she knows she's in the right, and then she has to defer to a man and kind of go. Oh, go yes, and that's you, frustrating. You, you, you know, she's. Right. I'm sure. I'm sure you wanted to have a character like that in it because she's, she's, uh, she's. She's a heavyweight of that, you know, she'd have been a heavyweight. So, so is um, uh, Samantha Morton's character, so is uh, Margaret Wells. I mean, they're, they're heavyweight women who don't just simper in the background, you know. They're, they're, they're uh, no-nonsense, no-messing women, and, um, you know, Lydia's uh, been single, and she's brought up a child, and she's got this brothel, and she doesn't take any mess, but there are times, yeah, when you see her having to bow to uh, a, a judge, to a legal position, and that's, that's uncomfortable. But um, she does have her own revenge, doesn't she, in a way? Yeah, I think she's... Um, it's, it's sort of both Lydia and, and Margaret, and indeed Kate Fleetwood's character, Nancy Birch. Mm. Um, they are all studies of women who you know, what the profession does to you over time, what you, what you actually, what, what you become in order to survive and how you continue to survive in this profession when you are no longer young because the, the career as a, as a harlot is so very short. Charlotte Wells yeah. is, is already on the old side in her, yeah. her mid-twenties, you know. And what do you think <clears throat> would have happened to a lot of these women? Um, the, the, the really lucky ones would have saved enough money up to live independently, would have, you, you know... Well, I read that... Um, and the unlucky ones yeah. would have just fallen, I mean, fallen into I, the I, abyss. I was reading about the wages in the mid-18th century, and it was saying that a sort of middle-of-the-road prostitute could charge two guineas a pot, which would be about 400 guineas a year, as opposed to a labourer who got 24 quid yeah. or a housemaid who got five pounds. Yeah. Mm. So it was a yeah. huge The opportunity was, was there, but obviously the, 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 the disease and, and the danger of it was also there. But, you know, the, the re, but the, for the... To an extent, there was an opportunity for some freedom. And, you know, the really successful ones became famous. They were, like, superstars. They... So a very few managed to marry into nobility and you became actresses you became they? very yeah, very, very famous very actresses you know but it, but also there well. were women correct me if i'm wrong there were women who were like coming up from the equivalent of weybridge for the day who were very well kept <laughs> women with husbands and big homes with yeah swimming pools looking for a bit of a coming tickle. up for a bit of a tickle for the yeah. day to, uh, to make not for the money but just 
to have the, you know, the thrill. Because they were all in these, you know, stiff, arranged, soulless marriages. And well, she says to George Howard, you know, I don't want to be owned like you're. Yeah. Mm. And, you know, the 1760s, we, we chose sort of really specifically 1763 because it. it, it it was the end of a huge war and London was the capital of the world. You know, we pretty much got America in our pocket and it, it was exciting and cosmopolitan and colourful and, and a bit bonkers. Really crazy things as well, you know, like opium is cheaper than tea, <laughs> you know. I mean, yeah, and, and grown in South London, you know, so yeah, yeah. massive field. And, and everyone, everyone is drunk most of the time because you can't drink the water, so you have to drink alcohol. Um, and and you, you buy <laughs> laudanum for, for a few pence a bottle. But, uh, yeah, and give it to your kids for toothache. Yeah, you know. I mean, so, I mean, and money is kind of easy come, easy go, I think, for, for a lot of the girls. I mean, there's so many modern parallels in this. And, and much yeah. as we loved our historical research, and we... We really, really did, and we did it so thoroughly and diligently. It was such an amazing, amazing journey that we went on. The reason we wrote it was in order to write about now. Um, and I think, I think Harlots is absolutely about now, um, as a, a, you, you know, rich as it is in all its period detail. I, I think some things never change, as Alison Owen said. Um, and, and I think this profession can't improve the is, is one of them, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, would anybody like to ask a question? I think there's mics. Can you tell us about uh, the way you got into the character in terms of the look? What was the process that turned you into Mrs Quigley? Well, Jaquetta and Edward are here, who are the costume designer and makeup designer. <laughs> It was a rigorous routine. <laughs> Jaquetta hit me first thing in the morning, told me to shut up and told me that I must just give myself up to her. Um, the, the look. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, 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 the higher up the social scale you were, the more, the more pale you were and the bigger your yak wig, which is what they're made of. Um, so um, that, you know, that, that was a process. But... That with and and Edward's costume designs are just quite wonderful, yeah. um, but we do have some uh, artistic freedom within that. Uh, in that, one morning, Jaquetta, who did the makeup, um, she 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 decided to make my eyebrows pink. <laughs> and there's nothing historically to say that they would have had pink eyebrows, might have done, could have done. But, you know, you, you, you take some artistic license because we're in a creative industry and um, uh, who's to say they wouldn't have had a pink eyebrow. Um, so we, we sort of got this, you know, look together and um, it, was, it, was, it was rather wonderful, really. Um, and, it, and, and there's no doubt... When, when something's that extreme and that's that far from you, um, it, does, it does help you to get into it. You know, it does help you to kickstart the day. And, um, uh, you know, and the corsets were uncomfortable. I mean, why women took so many centuries to say, no, enough, I will never understand, because they're, they're, they're not pleasant to wear. Um, uh, but I know that the costumes, we all, you know, all looked wonderful but it's um but all of that just get helps to get you into it 
lots of mentions of modern resonances to this. Did you base your character on somebody from modern life who you... Me. Yeah. <laughs> you. <laughs> no. Um, no, I didn't really. I mean, you know, it's, you, you, you read something and you, 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 it's like a cocktail. It's like making a, you pull bits of this and then you, you, you think, oh, you remember something you saw of somebody once and the way they smiled and there was something in, like a little thing. I remember seeing um, that American actress, Ellen Barkin, who I think is very wonderful and very sexy. And she has this amazing smile that's kind of crooked. She smiles and one side of her mouth goes. And for some reason, one day, it just came to me, I thought, I'm going to nick that smile for Lydia <laughs> and have this slightly crooked, like only one side goes up, you know, and she smiles. So you, you, you pinch things. That's, that's your job as an actor. You pinch, you steal and pilfer from life and the world around you. And, and you stick it all together and you hope that it makes a character. So that, that's, that's what we do. It was really fantastic. Thank you for that. Um, the tone and the style are very specific, particularly in terms of the, the music and the look and everything. Was that always on the cards from the start or did it evolve? And how, how did you we, chance upon the music and the things we, that made we, it that style? We'd, al we'd always said that we wanted it to be, you know, we didn't want it to be brown. We didn't want a brown world. And we were so attracted to the noise and the colour of the Georgians and so in early meetings, we, that we, that's what we said. And, and my God, they delivered with that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I think the, 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 the music is such a, a great kind of bridge between that world and ours that we listen to an awful lot of... I, I used to listen to it when I was writing a lot of um, 18th century music. And it's crazy. That opera that, yeah, that they listen to, Artaxerxes... Some of, some of it is so bonkers. <laughs> and, it, and it's um, absolutely of the era. It was, I think it was first yeah. produced in and, 1762. And you sort of think yeah. it, it's got all the kind of energy of, um, of the Pogues almost. You, you know, it's kind of just mad. And there was music everywhere. That, you know, in every, there was itinerant musicians on every street. It was in all the pubs. It was taverns, rather. Music was everywhere, and it was really, really important to the Georgians. We just wanted to have music with the same energy that was a bridge between the past and the present. And I, and I, I kind of, I think, I think it's worked. It works fantastic. It works great. Yeah. I like the way you've also done the geography of London, that you have sort of Covent Garden where Margaret Wells is, but then she wants to move up to Soho, oh, we, we and you're already maps. in Soho. I, I, I mean, I, 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 I got really... Map fascist. Absolute map. <laughs> and, and, and my husband called me a whore-bore. I'm really sorry. Um, you know, it just became quite obsessive, this, this whole world. Yeah, that you know. we chose the, the streets where they lived really carefully. And the last little street name to fall into place was Margaret Wells's kind of little courtyard in Covent Garden, and we found one called Angel Court, um, which I thought was... No longer there. No longer there, but kind of lovely. Um, but, um, but, yeah, uh, very carefully chosen. Yes. Um, and, and it's amazing now, when you, when you walk round... When we walk round London, we, we both do it. You, you see all the Georgian stuff like you never did before. And, and walking down Greek Street, you know, that amazing Greek Street, which is half a dilapidated mansion in Watford and half amazing CGI. Um, Greek Street, look from the CGI Greek Street of the 18th century, which is very well researched, 
to, to, to modern Greek street, it, really very little has changed. It's, it's extraordinary. No, and I can vouch for that because when I work with Mike Lee, he has his offices on Greek Street and he's got prostitutes above him. <laughs> <laughs> and it gives a whole new flavour to the morning's rehearsal, I can tell you. <laughs> Hello, that, that was so refreshing. I, I don't know what else to say about that. But what was particularly wonderful was to see so many women of different ages, you know... Um, I do hope it doesn't get dis dismissed as a, you know, a show about women in that sort of sense. You know, when you think of Mamma Mia and it was equal number of men and women in characters and it's often dismissed as a, a woman's film. Well, I just I hope we don't have that. Pride, because actually. I think it's a matter of pride, not dismissal. Yes. Um, I'm very, very proud that there are so many wonderful roles in this that are for women. It's and I so think refreshing. the drama is so good that it's not until it's over. This is what I hope, anyway. <laughs> well, obviously, you know, my <laughs> ego. But, uh, but what I hope is, with good drama, that you don't actually notice and, until retrospectively that there hasn't been a, a, a man driving the story, that, that all the story is dri dri driven... But by women. I mean, we have, a, we have amazing male characters in this and male actors, fantastic male actors, but, but most of the story is driven by women. And hopefully you don't notice that until you just think, oh, yeah, you know. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a matter of pride for all of thank us anyway. Thank you. I just want to say thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Um, I um, I wondered uh, why it's a series rather than a film because I I don't know what makes it become that uh, as opposed to yeah uh, this could uh, this was only ever going to be television because so many of the stories. amount of story oh I see the content just the sheer amount okay. of this this just lends itself to to story and we wanted to tell stories about many women right yeah. okay. so it's not just a, a single character journey sure. which works very very oh, well right, yeah right in mm. in a two-hour film okay. yeah in the next episode new storylines kick off and it just keeps There's, doing it's that it's just a so. big wide world okay that, uh, and, and we try trying very much to uh, i mean the the two shows we took into the writer's room with us were the sopranos and the wire and the wire especially in terms of the way that through the drug trade in one city they look at the whole of society right. and we sort of took that as a model right. i don't know how you do that in two hours no so yeah. that's why I, it's not i a wasn't film. sure what made it that rather <laughs> yeah okay cool thanks <laughs> i can see brilliant. it going on and on and you know yeah there's just there's so series, much story yeah. there i mean now we know our characters really well i can't wait i, I hope we get a series mm. too because i i am desperate <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm desperate to find out what they do next, you know. We don't yet know, but I can't wait to find out. <laughs> Thank you very much. I enjoyed that so much. Um, my question was what I was struck by is kind of um, I had goosebumps bumps at the end. I thought it was um, there was so much emotion, you know, between the mother and the daughter. And I mean, in terms of kind of writing that screenwriting, I mean, how 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 did you go about it in terms of kind of emotion deciding when to evoke emotion or kind of how did you explore that uh it, it, it's funny 
Uh, it's, that's a very hard question to answer because so much of it is just the weird alchemy that happens over many drafts. But the story itself of, of what happens between Margaret and Charlotte and Lucy, her, her daughters, uh, in this episode cannot fail but to be incredibly emotional for, for all three of them. Um, so the story does it for you, really. And the, the writing and the rewriting, supported by a fantastic writer's room and the, the amazing Alison Carpenter and Katie Kelly with their <coughs> fabulous notes, um, it just overdraft, draft over draft, you, it just gets more and more distilled and finessed until you really do, you really do feel their whole, their whole heart, Margaret's whole heart um, at the end of that episode. Um, it's very, very, it's a very, very complex, painful story. Thank you. Hey, Moira. <laughs> I feel. Um, I just, just like kind of, I'm still kind of a bit flabbergasted because I thought it was great and it's an amazing, amazing episode. And hi, Alison. Um, um, I'm just, just a bit kind of, it's sort of like surprised that it's not on terrestrial TV. I'm surprised because of the quality of it and I wonder why we're not ready for this in terms of kind of why, why it's not, and I'm not sort of like in any way denigrating, you know, ITV Encore and stuff like that. It's like I know that you've gone through a massive process of, you know, taking it to, you know, a few other people like, you know, Channel 4 and, you know, Sky and stuff. And it seems it's, it's what costume drama should be in this country. Thank you. And that's all I really want to say. Well, any more for any more, or should we? The, <laughs> well, thank you very much. Oh, one oh. more, last one. I just want to ask you about working with uh, Samantha Morton, uh, Leslie. What were the, obviously some pretty intense scenes to come in later episodes. What were they like, and how do you how do you rev yourself up for those? <laughs> well, we had very few scenes together actually, um, but uh, it, it you know it develops as the story goes on inevitably, um, and I think that we we looked forward to them because we we had so few together and but the ones that we did have were very charged they were very well written and certainly the um the heat between the two of them you know as you can tell from this little teasing first episode can only get hotter and it can only go up um so we sort of relished it and really looked forward to it you know because we were a bit ships that passed in the night otherwise and we used to walk past each other i say wednesday <laughs> So we look forward to it, and it was great. You know, we're, 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 not, we're from a very um, interesting, uh, similar school of acting, I suppose, if there is such a place. But um, we, we were all working off the same page, so it was very good. So, um, thank you to everyone on the panel tonight. I think there's also other cast and crew. There in, is, in they're the here. So, so congratulations to all of them. Thank you. Thanks, Lisa. Thank you.